when they arrive, they'll make their way to the Victoria Concert Hall and Theatre and search for Alan Wu. Alan Wu? Host of The Amazing Race Asia. Ready, set, go! Welcome to the first wonderful recap episode of You Are Too Number, the Amazing Race Asia podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me, as always, is my muscle brother who both works hard and plays hard, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. Afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back, yes. The first episode of Amazing Race Asia in six years, and it was a shitty one. <laughs> Mince your words, Logan. <laughs> hey, they, that word is no longer censored on Amazing Race Asia now. They get to say it without the censors. And I apologize to Alan Wu, because I know you're going to get tweeted this episode, and we are not going to be particularly kind about it, necessarily. Despite the fact that we want you to become our best friend, please. On the bright side, no episode for the rest of the season is going to be as bad as this one. Unless they do an even more, unless they bring back an even more absurd twist. Yeah, uh, I can't see another episode being as stupid as this, but it doesn't bode well that the first episode, we have a kind of very linear leg. It, yeah, this one was, yeah, on top of the bringing back the worst twist in reality TV history, yeah, we get a super linear round of play. And a bit of weird editing, too. So, the National Monument in wonderful Indonesia's capital, Jakarta, is the start line for this race. Is it draped in the wonderful Indonesia um, <laughs> poster? No, but something was. Yeah, I know. One of the other pigs. Do you think that... I'd assume that'd be edited on. I can't see wonderful Indonesia covering up a quarter of a skyscraper building in Jakarta. We don't know how much money wonderful Indonesia have to wonderfully spend, though, do we? No, and it would employ a lot of people to build that big of a banner and to hoist it up on top of that skyscraper. And Alan Wu, Alan Wu's first thing we see him in is a freaking jean jacket. Did you notice that? He's bringing back the early 2000s fashion. Yes, like this is really a throwback. The first season in six years, and now the first amazing race host I know of that wore a jean jacket. I think Phil probably wore some jean jackets in the day. Yeah, actually, yeah. I think he, now that I think about it, I think during a couple of the rural legs or where he was more comfortable hosting around in his homeland of New Zealand, and I think he did get away with the, with the odd uh, jean jacket now and then. It's not like Grant Bowler in Amazing Race Australia where he wears outfits that were discarded from the popular boy band 98 Degrees. I was going to say, in fact, I'm pretty sure that Grant Bowler did wear some jean jackets in the early seasons of The Mole Australia. Hmm. They should all get together and they could really, really uh, come up with the, try to revive that trend. 
you know, bring back the jean jacket with Alan Wu, John Montgomery, Grant Fuller, and uh, Phil Kogan. Um, so, yeah, back to Asia, though. Back to Indo wonderful, wonderful Indonesia. <laughs> Almost slipped up. And we get to the starting line, and we get introduced to our teams during Car Free Sunday because Indonesia is so progressive with, with uh, being good for the environment. I will say that bicycles isn't the worst way that teams have got to the start line. Yeah, Cam and Darius in season 28 got to the start line by a unicycle, if I'm not mistaken. Almost certainly. At least bicycles kind of make sense, especially if they're tying it to car-free Sundays. Yeah, carefree car-free Sunday. And first up is Muscle Brothers Alex and Will, who work hard apparently, and are proud of it. The gym is our second home. I didn't realise that Chris off of Logan was in it. (laughs) (laughs) Logan, take me to the gym! I was trying to be like that guy on social media who does those tough guy gym videos about Pokemon Go and the creepy clowns. Can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's pretty hilarious. Uh, Next up is Vietnamese lesbians, Lisa and Nicole, who are compatible. Uh, Then we have Vicky and Rachel, who have no strategy whatsoever. Our strategy is no strategy. That's not how strategies work, Lil. That's that's just called just showing up to the starting line. And then a wonderful woo rhyme of Philippines beauty queens, uh, Perul and Maggie, who are hardworking. Uh, Singaporean siblings Ray and Kaiji aren't beauty queens or muscle buddies. Which makes it blatantly obvious that they saw each other in finals. With Perul and Maggie, yeah, they say that pageantry is like training for the Olympics. Yeah, they'll be right there with LOL in the 2020 Olympics. I mean, I mean, we already we already have pageantry in the Olympics, Michael. It's called dressage. It's just it's just horse form. Now we just need human human dressage would be pageantry. And um, Great Britain is very good at it. Yes, they are. One of the sports that we're very good at. One of the many. Then it's friends Brendan and Alpheus, who are both mathematical and analytical. Uh, then Tom and Anita, who are dating from Thailand, and they spend a lot of time together. Did you notice that a bunch of, like, I think it was Ray and KJ and Anita and Tom, both of their, like, intro shots are when they're being introduced. Uh, they're both just hanging out at, like, their local uh, ethnic cuisine restaurants. What's with all the restaurant shots? It's basically The Apprentice, because The Apprentice had a... A major part of the episode this week take place in a uh, in the toilet of a sushi restaurant. Huh. Um, next up was Louisa and Treasury, who are best friends and like fire and water. So close to Frankie and Amy. Yeah, at least they didn't make the J.K. Mike uh, bio mistake of saying they're like uh, fire and ice. At least, at least Louisa and Treasury didn't didn't uh, entrench upon that trademark. And then. My favourite team, I think, Eric and Rona, who are married from the Philippines. He will crush him, and she wants to prove big women aren't lazy. Do you see the intensity on her face when she was riding that bicycle? Yeah. Not, not even Skylar Grey has had that much intensity while riding a bicycle. I really liked Eric and Rona this week. They, they really, they really uh, got a lot of confessionals, and it looks like they're going to be the narrators of the season. Yeah, which bodes well for me thinking that they probably make the final three. Yeah, and, and forget the lethal weapon, Rona is the secret weapon. 
I'm still not sure where he's from, because he's definitely Antipodean. Yeah, um... Have we had an answer on that yet? No. He's either Aussie or Kiwi, I can't tell which. And that's yeah. really going to annoy any Aussies or Kiwis who listen. Yeah, I mean, it's really like tomato-tomato. I mean, let's just say he's a mix of both. In fact, he must be Kiwi because he hasn't said, he hasn't started any sentence with the word bloody yet. Or ended it with the word mate. We haven't seen him call anyone the C word, so he's probably not Australian. <laughs> I wonder I don't think I don't think even that word would be uncensored on the Amazing Race Asia as of yet. I like just peppering in the occasional um stereotypical Australian thing because I know Ben hates it when I do it. <laughs> ben gets really annoyed when I keep saying that they uh they just say bloody before everything. Well, so do the Brits as well from what I I can recall. Not as much. Uh, and JK and Mike are awful. Ah, a very obscure trivia note. Their entire interview thing for their intro takes place between 6.58am and 7.08am thanks to the clock that was hanging up behind them. So after 10 minutes, the interviewers were like, huh. We're uh, we're kind of done with J.K. and Mike. We've we've got the sequence. I knew you were going to pick up on that. I knew I didn't need to write those times down. <laughs> and I didn't know that when you step into the radio booth, that you have to do like the Michael Jackson thriller hands while you talk. That's what they did when they were sitting down. I think that's just a sign of an irritating person. <laughs> You're going to give no breaks to JK or Mike all season. Nope. (laughs) And the final team is Yvonne and Chloe, who are also beauty queens, and they're not stereotypical beauty queens. (laughs) Theirs was the best because when one of them said, we're really hardworking, and as it's saying that on the voiceover, they're sitting in pink flamingos in the middle of a swimming pool. (laughs) <laughs> we're really hard working <laughs> and then it just because they're just talking normally throughout the just the, throughout like their confessional just in a normal tone and then out of nowhere at the very end uh, I forget if it was Yvonne or Chloe but one of them says we are not your stereotypical beauty queens like in a really over the top tone we might be beauty queens but we're so much more than that we are not the stereotypical beauty queens and I love how public this start line is. Uh, that's the trend now. That is the trend in Amazing Race. Yeah, it's one of the most ridiculously public ones, though. Yeah. And, and oh, and backtracking to Brandon Alfeas, they say that they're doing this for the youth. But yet, Michelle and Claire were both younger than them, and they had no intention to do the race for the youth. Don't do it for the youth. Do it for yourself. Who gives a shit about anyone else? The RTV Warrior slogan. Do it for yourself. Who gives a shit about anyone else? <laughs> that that should be underneath the or have that underneath the wonderful Indonesia lo- logo. I am still deciding what Avan is going to be, so <laughs> not out of the question yet. I think we might get into a bit of trouble with that. Though. <laughs> and just to emphasise that it's a new race, Wu has bouncers this year because he's joined by Tara Bazra on one side and not Tara Bazra on the other. He's got bodyguards now. That's that's how much things have changed for Alan Wu in the past six years with hosting Amazing Race China and doing whatever else he does. Yeah, that now he's got, you know, Tara Basro ready to take 
anyone down. And then you've got Deputy Minister uh, uh, what was it? Patana? I think it was Patana. There's a pun that I tweeted to Alan Wu saying that the Patan for who starts the who signals the start of the race is passed on to Patana. And he does like his best, the Patana does his best Fonz impression with the whole thumbs up and everything. Hey. <laughs> hey. And is this like the first government official to be involved in the start of the race? Yeah, because it's the first time that a race has been actually sponsored by a country, I think. Outside of like Amazing Race Canada getting funding from Telefilm Canada or whoever. Yeah. Um, and also, this is Wu's 11th season of Amazing Race hosting now. 11? That's the number of seasons we podcasted. It is. Convenient. Yes. And do you notice that Yvonne and Chloe shirts say the amazing face? I didn't, but there was a lot of slightly naff t-shirts. Because Vicky and Rachel had personalised t-shirts. JK and Mike seemed like the sort of people who were going to have a lot of personalised t-shirts. Yeah, they were sort of... I think JK saw him wearing, I think, three different ones during the episode. So he's probably got the heaviest backpacks. He's got, like, some random joke to tell for every day. It's not story of the day for JK. It's a shirt of the day. And I noticed one of them was... Um, it, it said something like, Don't ask, I'm single. I think that was Mike's shirt. So in the first shocker of the race, um, Wu says that only ten teams will actually leave the start line. To shake things up this season, for no reason... We're going to bring back the most hated, despised twist that Logan wrote about in the history of reality TV and pissed off pretty much every single viewer who watched the opener to Amazing Race 15. And, to top it all off, this isn't the first one that Wu has presided over. Oh, there's one in China? There was one in China Rush. Oh, China Rush. Yeah, that doesn't count. China Rush had one and also spoilt who it affected. (laughs) What? How did they spoil their own elimination? There was something weird. They hid a, a mole-style clue that spelt out which team was the first one, or the one that was affected by the start line elimination. I can't remember exactly what it was, but someone picked up on the hint. And it wasn't the team saying that they were going to be numero uno right before the task started? No, it was um, it was a hidden clue in some of the pre-season materials, I think. Don't you mean a hidden clue? But yeah, this isn't the first one that Wu has presided over. He might just be sadistic, Michael. He might just be. I hope he's not, because he seems like a really nice guy, and needs to be our friend. So, um, the Deputy Minister of Tourism gets to do the go, and I hope you've perfected your impression, because it's that time. Oh, well, he just drew it out so much. But you promised. And he's like, I wonder just... Was that part of the contract, too, for the deputy minister to say it, you think? That's like, well, we backed up the financially backed up the season, so the deputy minister gets to queue up the race instead of, you know, the host. But it was just so drawn out. It was like, three, two, one, go! And that was it. Like, really drew it out. Like, what? Phil would just raise his eyebrow, just say, travel safe, go. Alan Wu would be like, you know, Asia's, Asia's waiting for you. John, you know, Monty would be like, oh, make Canada proud. And then this guy... Make Canada proud. Make it, make it proud. Make it proud now. Make it proud now. <laughs> I love how every time we do a, a, um, a Monty impression, he just gets more and more hyper. 
<laughs> I've had three Tim Hortons coffees this morning, guys. I've had three double double doubles. Doubles. <laughs> three double doubles before our double battle. Uh, so the start line task is to locate one of ten compasses out of a wall of a thousand, which are pointing to 210 degrees southwest. Or 210 degrees as is more commonly known. The one team who doesn't find a compass doesn't continue on the race. And then we get the intro shots, which are... They were all Isaac and William-style intro shots. But we got a lot of head turns. But but they were, like, all shot, like, in one take. There was no there was no jump editing or anything like that, like we usually see, or, or like, two different spots for it. There was Brandon and Alpheus, Ray and Kaiji, Louisa and Treasury, Alex and Will, Lisa and Nicole, Perul and Maggie, Tom and Anita, and Yvonne and Chloe, all doing head turns. We did have some Tiffany and Krista-style full-body hair swishes as well. I think that was Yvonne and Chloe who did that. I would have loved to see Isaac and William try to kick up a, a chest piece uh, into their arms. That would have been quite impressive. <laughs> so, Louisa and Treasury are the first to find the compass, and they are followed quickly by JK and Mike, Alex and Will, Brandon and Alphaeus, uh, Tom and Anita, Ray and Kaiji, Peru and Maggie, Vicky and Rachel, Yvonne and Chloe, and finally, Eric and Rona, leaving hashtag Vietnamese lesbians Lisa and Nicole to be the first eliminated. The only non-Mactor team, also the oldest team in the race, and the only uh, uh, same-sex couple in the race, gone in ten minutes. And the only Vietnamese team ever to not appear on Amazing Race Vietnam. Yeah. The most diverse team in the cast is gone, and now everyone else is between, between like, ages of... Like, they were the oldest team, so now the age range has dropped down to, like, 33 or 34 with Eric and Rona, I think. Yep. And everyone has, I think all the other teams have some sort of, at least one person with some sort of Mactor relation. Yeah, I guess they probably do. Like Ray, Ray and Kate, Kaiji, were they they involved in media? One of them's a YouTuber. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, we got rid of our only, like, quote-unquote regular team out of the race in the first ten minutes. The team that we are most intrigued to talk about <laughs> in the preview. Reason number 322 why that the starting line elimination uh, twist is a horrible one. And the task wasn't even that good. It was the same thing as the license plate task from Amazing Race 15, where nobody really knew what they were doing from what we know of. It was just teams just grabbing the compasses off the wall, hoping they were right. I mean, I, I was prepared for it because I'd been warned, but, oh, it still wasn't great, was it? No, it was... There was a lot of bad Amazing Race 15 flashbacks. And um, Brandon and Alpheus want to get to top three. That's all they want this leg. And teams have to head to the Museum Bahari to find their next clue. Oh, this was the funny part about Lisa and Nicole's elimination. <laughs> this was pretty good. When uh, After Eric and Ron are done. So all ten teams have already cleared out. And it's just Lisa and Nicole, which means there's no compasses left. But I don't know if they knew that Eric and Ron were already gone by this point. But Lisa brings back that that last compass to Alan, and she's like, "Oh, this this is it!" Like as if she was absolutely one hundred percent certain she had the right compass. And Alan's like, "No, that compass is incorrect, and you don't have to bother searching because there's no more compasses that are two hundred ten degrees." And then Nicole's like, "Oh, right, all of them are guaranteed to be wrong now." Mwah, mwah. But it was just a double fail there. It's like, 
we absolutely have the right compass. And it's like, no, you have a 0% chance of having the right compass. She couldn't have been more wrong on <laughs> mathematically. And then, of course, they're, it's funny because they still get like a touching farewell montage thing. It's like, even it reminded me, there was a, there was a parody reality show that aired a little over 10 years ago where it was a bunch of comedians. And each week, uh, the producers organized for like one parody of a reality show. So like the first week, instead of the biggest loser was the biggest fatty and they had to try and gain the most weight in a, through a couple of day period. Or I think they did like diving with the stars instead of dancing with the stars. What, as in jumping off a diving board? I think so. I think that's what it was. Because that is an actual real program now. Wow. Cold the splash. parody has become reality. And uh, they did their... I think I think the first week was actually their, it was their parody of Big Brother, and there was one comedian who as a joke quit within the first five minutes, and no one really noticed. So they're like, "Oh, he quit. Does he does he even get his own montage?" And they just show him just exiting the house with the piano music in the background and just uh, fading in and out of him uh, exiting the house. They're like, "Oh, we're all gonna really miss him and his presence here." And this is kind of what it reminded me of with Lisa and Nicole's montage, where it was supposed to be this touching farewell, and they're like, yeah, we represented Vietnam. Uh, I think we represented Vietnam really well. And I'm thinking, editors, you, this is supposed to be some sort of elaborate joke, right? They were in the race for not, they didn't even get to do the first task, and we're having sad music, and we're all supposed to be heartbroken when we haven't heard of them were more than just their, just the confessional at the beginning of the episode. Come on now, guys. I mean, it's sweet that they at least got a montage, but also, there wasn't much to go on. They probably could have just had a, a farewell confessional. Like, we got to see more of them in their preseason bio than we did in the actual season. Yep, because they had four minutes of airtime in the preseason stuff. But yeah, I do feel really bad for them, like, that's just a, that's a terrible twist to have to just have a team go through that entire process and then boom done just like that and also it's not like we would have had a good a good outcome had either of the bottom two then gone because we had Eric and Rona as the other option which would have been devastating had they gone home it was really a lose lose situation uh, and it's really quite weird for me to hear Tagalog. We heard a little bit of Tagalog and uh, various other languages in this episode, and it it was just quite weird because they didn't even attempt to subtitle it. No, well, no, I think they did a couple times. I think at one point they're like, "It's not right, it's not right," or something like that was subtitled along the bottom. Or th- what was interesting is that it's really subtle, but it's near the end of the episode where I think it's I think it might have been Yvonne and Chloe where. Yeah, it might have been Yvonne and Chloe where I think they were uh, speaking a foreign language and you can hear somebody in the background say English. So I feel like that might have been like a camera operator or the sound or the sound operator uh, reminding them to speak in English on camera. But you, I, you just hear it really quietly on the audio. They were quite sloppy with hiding some of the cameras as well because there were a couple of the cameras that were visible. Yeah, it was kind of like unfinished business that way, where it's, they couldn't have cared less if the camera entered the shot, breaking that fourth wall. So um, we find out that Eric and Rona's motivation for doing the race is her wanting a baby inside her, 
Which is always a fun motivation to go on the Amazing Race for. Get Rona pregnant. That's what that was, that was what she said. Hashtag get Rona pregnant. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're really they've pretty much uh, taken a page out of Chen and Joyce's uh, uh, book of why they're on the Amazing Race. Hopefully, their conclusion is a much happier one. Uh, and once teams get to the museum, they find out it's the first detour, which is fix or freight. And in fix, teams must assemble and fix a bike's wheel to receive their next clue. And in freight, teams must successfully fill four barrels with sand from a cargo ship. And once they have shifted enough sand, they receive the next clue. And we get to hear from Tara. Tara Basro gets her first speaking part. Hashtag Tara Tara, yes. Tara 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 talks. And this is the one time that she actually speaks. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. She, other than like congratulations or welcome, she also explained the the undel undel marrying off the undel undel's uh, task when they have to just the part where they have to match the scarves. Did she? I don't even remember that. Yeah, because she's yeah, she goes right up to the undel undel saying they have to match this uh, scarfing. Uh, whatever they called it, uh, with the with the mail. The trim. The trim, the scarfing trim, yes. Uh, and JK gets distracted by Anita on the uh, the freight ship. Uh, with Ray and KJ, uh, they get some bad directions right from the very beginning, where they're told to walk all the way to where the clue is, to the detour. And uh, as a result, they end up uh, arriving to the detour in last... Walking, walking, walking from Survivor Worlds apart? Are you serious? Uh, so Alex and Will underestimate how far, how hard fixing a bike is because everyone expected them to go to freight. Yeah, with those muscles, like they they were in the the gym as their second home, and they didn't want to do heavy lifting. Are they complete, just like gym rats that way? Where it's like the type of person who, you know, they don't do any real world exercise and. And the only exercise they do is just spending hours in the gym each day. I think they just couldn't face it, basically. They they weren't sure whether they could do it, and they didn't want to humiliate themselves at a task that everyone would have thought that they would have been good at. Yeah. That's the only re- reason I can assume. And then Vicky and Rachel here had a lot of fun at the detour. Oh, they fight. <laughs> they fight real bad, Terry. Rachel corrects them on how to properly shovel the material into the bag. Rach, after that, she stops com- the task completely just to do the freight the freight party dance, and tries to <laughs> when they lift the bag up. How you know how they how their strategy is no strategy? Well, Vicky was really uh, living by that because Rachel came up with the strategy of counting together so that they could ease the lift of the material into the bins, but Vicky did not want to follow that count at all. And instead, just does whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, and then he's, and then their confessional was kind of ironic. She's like, she's just uh, nagging me all the time, and I don't want it. And then she cuts in and says, "I'm not nagging you. I'm just telling you what to do." But yeah, they're a mess overall. So Eric and Rona are the first to leave Fix, and once teams have completed their detail, they have to head to Kaboon Raya Bagor and find a male Undal Undal, which is holding their next clue. Am I the only one that was really creeped out by those Undel Undel puppets? Not even a little bit. <laughs> like, I found them creepier than the Burger King uh, mascot. Yeah, it was freaky. And then I was also tweeting how uh, there's, like, the Blue Man group, there's the Blue Man 
with the undle undle, the yellow man, and the red man, but yet no method man undle undle. And um, fun fact, in the blue man suit was actually Tobias Funke. Oh, from Arrested Development? It was a David Cross cameo. So uh, he, he dressed up as an undle undle and really blew himself, is what you're saying. Exactly. And uh, Brandon and Alpheus leave Freight in second, with Tom and Anita in third, and JK and Mac in fourth. Ray and Kaiji do Fix wrong, and then Louisa and Treasury leave Fix in fifth. Vicky and Rachel leave Freight in sixth, and then Alex and Will leave Fix in seventh, with Ray and Kaiji in eighth. Yvonne and Chloe in ninth, Perul and Maggie in last. And once teams get to the Undle Undles, they have to then take the Undle Undles to another location nearby and pair them up with the female puppet that has a matching trim on her scarf and then present them to the Puppet Master. Puppet Master, yes. The bike task was amusing with how depressed those kids looked waiting for their bikes to be fixed. What about the the poor kids who would have been waiting for their bikes to be fixed and then it never came because teams not everyone picked that task. Yeah. <laughs> Even more depressing. It's like, man, Brandon Elpheus went with the heavy lifting task? I guess I'm not getting a bike this year. Or the or the Undle Undle who was holding up that one kid for no reason at all. Just cradling. Just cradling him. My favourite thing about the Undle Undles was the fact that they just decided to run away. They were still running away from everyone, and it was kind of glorious. You think that would be, like, legally unfair on The Amazing Race to have people that are essentially hired by production that where just some of the Undle-Undles will just run away from the teams. Like, that, it seems like something that shouldn't be allowed. But on the other hand, it was kind of hilarious to just completely screw with the teams that, in that manner. It made entertaining television, and that's all that mattered. And what, what was it with every Undle-Undle couple being uh, male and female? Like, we just had Lisa and Nicole at the start of the season. There was no same-sex Undle-Undle couples. It was a conspiracy. It was a conspiracy to get them out and um, and only acknowledge heterosexual relationships, even in puppets. Yes, the Undle Undles don't have much of a liberal agenda. Imagine, you know what would have been great, is whoever was the first team, uh, if they get to the pit stop and Alan and Tara both aren't there, and then it's revealed that they're the ones in the first pair of Undle Undle costumes. <laughs> they just remove their helmet, it's like, you are team number one in wonderful Indonesia. You've won a wonderful trip to wonderful Bali from wonderful Garuda in Indonesia. And it's four return tickets because you get to take the Undle Undles with you there. They get to ride first class on the plane with you. They get to hang out at the beach with you. They'll party with you. They'll even sleep in the same room as you and watch you as you sleep. If this were Hammerots, they would have made this a non-elimination leg and then made the penalty that um, Ray and Kaiji had to wear um, the Undle-Undle costumes for the next leg. Oh, that would have been an awesome penalty. Especially as they're doing an internal fly. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, this is just my carry-on. Or I, I wear this every day. <laughs> I'd love to see someone try and get through security with a, a massive Undle-Undle head in their arms. Or the passport, it's just a picture of them in their Undle Undle costume. Have you parted your hair differently? <laughs> Especially if they shave their mustache off, it's like, there's something slightly different about you. It's the mustache, isn't it? It's not the fact that you're that you're yellow. 
<laughs> so, one's teams match up their underlundles, they get directed to bring their underlundles to the pit stop at the Lotus Pond opposite the Presidential Palace, and the last team to check in may be eliminated. And shocking nobody, the first team to check in is Brandon and Alpheus, and they win a trip, for, well, they win flights to Bali. They don't get flights back. So this is a whole like immigration tactic for wonderful Indonesia as well, where teams go into Bali, but they don't get to go back. Spoilers, in the great American-led tradition, teams will be going to Bali at the end of the season anyway. I do enjoy it when um, when the US gives away flight or gives away trips to the next location anyway. And yeah, they've just given away a trip to well, the place they're going to be going for the final leg anyway. Yeah, and they had like a, a flight attendant all dressed up to give away those return flights. I didn't even notice her until you screen capped it. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's like, well, was this really necessary? Couldn't Alan or Tara have handed it over? Because I thought Tara had handed it over, but no, apparently they dressed someone up as a flight attendant to just appear <laughs> from the bushes and hand over the tickets and then disappear back into the hedge. She was probably had the choice. Either you dress, dress up as an undal undal or you dress up as a flight attendant. Make your pick. I would have loved it if they'd uh, brought over another undal undal just to hand over the flights. I hear the real non-elimination penalty, though, for the Bali leg is that you have to stay over at uh, Hussein's house for for the night, and have to hear to all of his old person stories. On the plus side, at least they didn't receive express passes. That's true. No express passes as of yet. Although Alan did tease that there's an even bigger twist to come than the starting line elimination, which really, really scares me because the starting line elimination was shocking because it's a horrible, horrible twist to bring back. I really hope, though, that... The Amazing Race China's Revival Pass is the prize for next leg, and that Lisa and Nicole get to come back. Can you imagine? <laughs> just to make this return of Amazing Race Asia just that much more bizarre. Uh, so, Ray and Kaiji get stuck in traffic, and Louisa and Treasury checking in second, with Jake and Mike in third, and uh, Eric and Rona in fourth, Alex and Will in fifth, and Vicky and Rachel in sixth. And then we get to see the moment that I was hoping for, which is the falling over of the Underlundles. It was a long day for the Underlundles, and there's a lot more There's a lot more locals gathering around to watch this leg. Like, they chose very populated areas to have the tasks for the first round. Also, just skipping back a little bit, I love how the one landmark of Jakarta that they like to point out is the fact that it is full of traffic. Yeah, and how the trains are faster than the... The, the, how those slow trains are faster than the vehicles. Welcome to wonderful Indonesia. We will delay you massively. And Alex, or uh, it was either Alex or Will that got to utter the first curse word, I think, uh, the first uncensored curse word on the Amazing Race Asia history. They've loosened up their uh, FCC uh, regulations. Apparently so, because there was a few S-bombs. Yeah, from Ray a couple of times. And unsurprisingly, they didn't actually subtitle them, but there were a few S-bombs. The language is universal. So Perul and Maggie check in in 7th, and did you notice how they completely spurned Tara? Oh, or, or, uh, yeah, like the one team, uh, I think it was, oh, oh no, I think it was when Brandon and Alpheus were entering the pit stop where they're like, it's Alan, it's Alan, oh, 
It's Alan and Tara. Like, they had to correct themselves to acknowledge both hosts. Yeah, Pearl and Maggie, as they were running up with their undle-undles, did shout, there's Alan, and they didn't correct themselves at all. Poor Tara. <laughs> did that too. <laughs> Every team did that. Wu is the legend, and then Tara has to find a way to step in and make a name for herself, I guess. Poor Tara, she's just the punching bag of the season. And we also learn Perul and Maggie's uh, motivation for running the race is because Perul's dad is sick and she's the breadwinner of the house and they want to give all of the money to him. We should have a toast to that. And Tom and Anita checking in 8th with Yvonne and Chloe in ninth. Oh man, man, just with this whole episode, just every scene with, with, with Chloe, you know, with Chloe and Yvonne, it was like, man, you could just substitute Michael Jordan in there. And it would just be the same thing. But yeah, just M- MJ's in the house, and MJ barely avoided elimination. She really did, like, Michael Jordan this leg did as well with this first leg as he did with baseball by barely avoiding last place. And that then leaves Ray and Kaiji to check in in last, and they are eliminated from the race. Uh, we didn't see much out of Ray and Kaiji in this episode. It was kind of weird because... Usually the Amazing Race Asia episodes average, what, like 50 minutes around most of the time in the first four seasons? And this one was just 42, yeah, 42 minutes. And the first 15 was wasted on that compass task. It really did take up that much time out of the edit. So there was only 25 minutes or so to focus on everything else. And unfortunately, that comes at Ray and Kaiji's expense. Do you think it should have been a non-elimination? No, because, well... With the Mason Race 15, it was a huge slap in the face that they did the starting line elimination and then didn't eliminate a team at the pit stop, which made it even more infuriating because it was like, why did they need that twist at all if nobody was going to be eliminated at the first pit stop? But here, I know it's it's 75% tradition to make the first leg a pit stop and non-elimination, but because they insulted a team by eliminating them six hours earlier, it's only fair that a second team gets to be thrown in there. So I approve of eliminating a team at this pit stop because of the horrible twist they chose to do at the very beginning of the episode. Approve. Yes, approve. It does mean that because we had the start line elimination, we do have two non-eliminations this season now. Or keep on racing legs. Um, And Wu looked heartbroken to have to eliminate them. Yeah, well, Wu had to eliminate two teams in the span of a few hours. It was a really a two-person job for him. I think it, it's probably because they're from Singapore and so is he, that he felt kind of bad to have to eliminate them so early. Well, they can cry all of their tears into the Sentosa Wave House. Yes, they can, or into the, um, the Fountain of Wealth at Suntec City. Or into the pool at the Marina Bay's resort rooftop thing. R- R- Marina Sands? Gardens by the Bay on on Marina Sands. Okay, that. Having been there last year. <laughs> yeah, I figured, yeah, I won't... It'd be funny if I try to correct you on it when you're the one that's been there. But I think they eliminated someone at the start line because they originally were planning to have ten teams. All the pre-race materials were that it was going to be ten teams, and then when they announced it, it was eleven. So I think they probably added this in just to try and get people to talk about it and then still not have to correct the plan that they actually had for the season. So they just want to be like, hey, instead of having everyone feel somewhat neutral about the season, let's just go out of our way to piss them off. That's my theory. 
So next time, Tom and Anita have to backtrack. Uh, teams get lost, there's a treasure hunt, and Mike can't bike. I think Alan Wu referred to it as Mike Snag. And we, it looks like we get a carbon copy of the Amazing Race 23 uh, detour task. Well, I can't wait for um, for the dragging up task then. Yeah. Can't wait for Alex and Will have to have to do that. <laughs> oh, we, we eliminated Ray and Kaiju before he had to shave that stupid moustache. Damn it. Is there nothing good about this premiere? And you know what? With Travis and Nicole when they did the drag task in that same uh, Mason Race 23 Indonesia episode, I believe the remark was that he looked like Dennis Rodman. So for Yvonne, she could be reunited with a former uh, Chicago Bulls teammate. Exactly. And it does take place in Bandung as well, which is the same place as that Indonesia. Like, so, so it is that exact same farm, eh? Probably, yeah. It's yeah. definitely the same place that they're going to. Okay. So, so yeah, same makes sense that they're doing this exact same task if they're going to the exact same place. So, is there anything else to say about this leg? Mm, other than that, it's the worst Amazing Race Asia premiere I've ever seen, and probably one of the worst overall I've seen out of any Amazing Race season. No, I guess not. It means that next week's bound to be better by default. Hopefully. Yeah. Any predictions on who goes home next week? I'm sort of semi-spoiled on some bits, so I don't really want to make predictions. Okay. I was sort of spoiled by a couple of people. So I get to make a pool of myself then? Yeah. Ah, let's see. I know pretty much who's the final six, I think. I think Vicky and Rachel are going to be gone next. Because Rachel stopped to do the freight party dance in the middle of a competitive detour. And they're probably all going to be on the same flight. I'm pretty sure the flights will be a, a Canada style provided for every leg, so... Courtesy of um, Garuda Indonesia? I'm assuming so. So yay, we've got that to look forward to and moan about next week. Yay! Wonderful. So thank you for listening to the GR Team Number Podcast. You can join us every Sunday to recap the rest of the season. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Hamstone for me, and Log Supergawaki for Logan. Thank you, and see you next week. This episode sucked. Yeah, yeah.